In this episode, we will be using BattleBards sound effects. Check them out, battlebards.com. And if you're signing up for a Prime account, be sure to use our code STACK to get a discount. All right, all good? Yep. Throat's clear? <laughs> for the time being, yeah. Do you already have a new... Um, yes. Ready for the next year? No. no. Oh. <laughs> No, I saw you looking at the calendar. I got, I, I really, but I was actually just thinking about that. I'm like, oh, we gotta get new calendars coming up. Yeah, you haven't had a real calendar uh, in our room. I have the stack of dice calendar. You do now, yeah. Mm. But the the France one was up for the longest time from yeah. from 21. He had the 21 calendar still hanging Holy there. Holy vous Francais. Non? Non? <laughs> <laughs> then you need the all new international log. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. It has been a long time. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy, baby. Wow, man. That was my jam back in the day. Do the modem the log. Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> and the New Yorker, I got your log right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He goes, well, German. Well, downstairs, together goes, in Paris or over the neighbor's dog. <laughs> What's well, great for a snack and fits on your back. It's log, log, log. It's log, it's log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's log, it's log. It's better than bad, it's good. Durmo dem de log. Wow. Well, we have our cheese log song, too. Oh, yeah. You ever watch any Space Ghost? Yes, yes. That is a great show. Yeah. That one just, I don't know, it hits me right. It's your kind of humor. It is. And only mine. <laughs> I like the Brack songs. Yeah, when I mean, we tried to watch because you got a DVD collection yeah. of some Space Ghost shows, and I was the, watching the, shows the show are and weird. being like, "Yeah, the shows are weird on purpose." I like, get to the Brack parts. I like Brack. <laughs> <laughs> show itself was kind of weird. Yeah, I like the uh, the stock animation that they just reuse. Yep. randomly. <laughs> yep. Anyway, hello, stackers, and welcome back to another actual play episode of Stack of Dice. I am ready to continue our ongoing story. We have some interesting things coming. We've had some interesting things happen already this season, and we will see what happens next now. If you haven't yet followed us on Twitter and Instagram, please take a moment to do that at stackodice. You can email us at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. Join us in our Discord server. We would love to see you there and be able to chat with you. With all that said... Hello, stackers. I am Rhett, the Dungeon Master, and with me is... Meredith as Tira Ironstag. And Michael as Wamberbash Benson Mom. Who is ready to tell a story? Me. Me. Follow a band of intrepid friends as they seek to understand the world changing around them, and as they work together to face a growing evil. Enter a world of adventure and mystery in Bardalon. Previously on Stack of Dice. Bakongo starts to lead you away, but one of the circle detaches herself. An elegant crane with calm, clear eyes. Her white feathers have a sheen of silver to them in the watery spray, and it complements the brilliant blue of a neat vest that she wears. She holds the gaze of each of you for several seconds at a time, using the soft tips of her wings to gently frame each face. Tira first, then Asimeres, then Wamberbash. I wonder if Farron's okay. 
I'm sure she's fine. She would like this place, I think. I guess so. But she's not here. Why didn't she come with us again? I don't know. She said she wanted to help form the armies or help develop the resistance into an army. I don't remember. Everyone keeps leaving. No, from now until this quest is over, this quest is my home, I guess. Let's do it. Let's let's finish this. At the aft end of the ship, the canvas is still flung back carelessly untended by the crew. The crystalline form of the lizard-like statue glistens slightly in the moonlight. A sound like cracking, like lake ice fracturing along unseen faults. As we step from the glow of lantern light and into the moonlit dark, a piece of crystal actually moves. Cracks begin to form around each fine detail of the statue, and within moments a hand, newly freed from its frozen prison, flexes once, twice, and then balls into a fist. From outside the humble hut, we see the westering sun simmering to red in the evening heat as it sails on its course. Out over the distant expanse of the sunken valley, we see a flock of birds flash briefly out of faraway trees. The dark shapes swirl in a shifting column that rises into the purpling sky, and as it heads away from us, it merges with the magnificent luminous clouds whose towering painted strokes stand in splendor against the first pinpricks of starlight directly above. We almost expect it now, but there comes an insistent pull. We lift gently above the roar of the waterfall, feeling the cool give way to the jungle swelter. Any discomfort lasts for a moment, and we whisk eastward, descending at last into cooler air as we sink toward the wine-dark ocean on the eastern side of Muwaka. This far east, the sky is deeper in darkness. Below we see the white splashes of reefed sails where a large fleet of wooden ships lies at anchor in the deeper water of Abendale's outer harbor. Our feet touch down on the smooth planking of the deck of the largest ship, where a burly man stands surrounded by the most savage and desperate-looking crew imaginable. His voice grates on our ears, and the listeners hang on every syllable. Them's our orders straight from the reaver himself. Gather your crews, load the army, we sail in two days. That's supplies, materials, and loading. We'll load as much as we can for the advance and return for the rest. There are murmurs from the group, but the man growls and presses on. We don't stick together. There's none to oppose us this corner of the land and our focus is on speed. Get over, drop them, get back, do it again. Don't engage anyone. You'll be carrying too much to maneuver. Anyone would be daft to take on a ship crowded with soldiers. Harsh laughter sounds and the man raises one thickly muscled arm. A black tattoo of a sinuous eel snakes down his forearm, glistening in the uncertain light of the flickering lanterns shining from the mast. At this, a deckhand runs up the rigging with two lanterns. He shows breathtaking agility, the sure sign of a life spent at sea. He reaches the yard latches his legs in place, and begins moving the lanterns in a coordinated pattern. The other ships nearby take up the signal, and it passes quickly. Down below, the group disperses, and dark-eyed men climb over the rails to drop into their bobbing longboats below. Each one departs in a different direction, to 
to the sound of creaking oars. In the background of all this activity lies the city of Abendale. Its white buildings gleam blue in the moonlight. It is unusually still, and few lights shine from the windows of the houses that climb the slopes below the rising cliffs behind them. Then there is a flare of red light from an iron basket at the nearest tower on the shore, and in moments sparks swirl upward from a dozen others. In no time, drums beat, dark shapes begin to crowd the streets, the army is mobilizing. We might look for more, but with a jerk we're pulled back and up, to return eventually to the waterfall refuge where our friends are resting, as they have not done for quite some time. Man, all these, all these uh, cutscenes are armies gathering against us. Everywhere we go, there's yeah. gonna be somebody. We're gonna be met by somebody. Yeah. Grief. Uh, why don't you both roll me a Constitution check, and the highest will be the first to awaken. It won't be me. Six. What did you roll? I rolled a two. Uh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, Wamberbash <laughs> wins. Tira is really super exhausted. I guess so. I guess so. He sleeps all the time. He's all the time dropping down, <laughs> taking naps and whatnot, whereas Tira is always more like, I'll take the first watch. Wamberbash, you awaken to the first blush of light outside as rosy-fingered dawn <laughs> creeps across the sky. Oh, rising golden sun. Uh, so, uh, Wamerbash gets up, and um, he's still covered in, like, mud. Okay, right. Dry, it's dried up, obviously. So, um, he's going to head out of the hut, and he's going to go over to the left toward the falls. We're on the, we're on the, if you're looking at it, we're on the left of the falls, right? Uh-huh. Okay. As you step out, you find that the hut platform is surrounded by the circle of elders. They've positioned themselves around the hut. And as you step out and I, in all your splendor, <laughs> your muddy splendor, they're chanting. Okay. Wombarbash is in trouble because he starts to do the pee-pee dance. <laughs> uh, he really has to use the restroom. And so um, he just looks like sort of with his eyes open and looks toward the left because he's got to yeah. go. <laughs> The elder there stands aside, understanding <laughs> that we, I just woke up. <laughs> I've been surrounded by falling water all night. Yeah, exactly. Tira was laughing, giggling, putting my hand in warm water. <laughs> it's not working. All right, you take care of business and come back. Okay, and as I come back, I, I'm going to say, uh, yell, hey, hey, Tira, um, some people are here. You awaken to Wamberbash's voice clashing with the chanting. Okay. Wamberbash's voice coming through actually cuts mm-hmm. faster than the others. Yeah, it was very it's... gentle chanting. Mm-hmm. And his voice is more familiar, obviously. She wakes with a bit of a start. Mm-hmm. And then realizing he's not in the hut anymore, then she will burst suddenly through the feather curtain uh-huh. and stop dead in her tracks. They're facing us, or they're encircling They're actually the facing outward. Okay, so they're encircling the hut, but they're facing away. Yes. Each one has his or her arms raised hmm. toward the sky. 
Their faces are tilted upward as if they are singing a welcome to the rising sun. I see. Now why do they have to be circled around our tent to do it? Did you come through the circle yet, or you just... So you're, we're inside the circle, yeah, both yeah. of us. Near the door, uh-huh. both mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. You came back through the circle. How long have they been out here? I, I, I just woke up and they were already here, and I had to go to the bathroom. You didn't go right here, did you? No, I, I went over there, next to that person's door. <laughs> got that part out. <laughs> left, a little, left a little present for it. <laughs> the crane... Steps forward. Towards us? Yes. Okay. She's to your right as you're standing at the door looking out. And she lowers her arms and turns around. Even with a beak, she seems to be smiling. Good morning, my children. Good morning. Did you sleep well? Yes, very. Thank you. May we go inside? Absolutely. And she just turns and holds the curtain aside Move. to let them pass first. Okay. Only she comes through. Okay. The chanting continues unabated, and she steps inside, her legs bending backwards in the way of cranes. And then as she comes to a spot near the middle of the room, she carefully raises one leg and stands at ease there in the room. Question. So she's just like a full-on crane. Because uh, other people you mentioned... She's still humanoid. Yeah, other people you mentioned are like, you know, animal-human hybrids, yeah. much like Bash is when he transforms. Mm-hmm. So she's... She is more crane than human, but she mm-hmm. still has some human features. But her legs do mm-hmm. take after the function of mm-hmm. crane legs. Interesting. I am glad to know you found rest. We have discussed your request through the night. Our deliberations were aided by the words of Bakongo and Asimaris as they revealed your purpose and told your stories. We are truly honored to have you in our midst. The honor is ours, truly. I am Kitoko, and I welcome you to our city. As we talked through the night, we talked much of fear, the fear that we have of what your being here means to us. But we also spoke of hope that rises like the sun. And in spite of our fear, we also understand that evil knows no boundaries and will come our way if we do not stand against it. And with that in mind, we will aid you. Her voice again sounds very cool and calming. And it seems that in her presence, even the rumble of the waterfall seems to abate as if to make way for her words. Mm. With a feathery rustle of her wings, she brings them together with a very soft, almost like a golf clap. (laughs) (laughs) And in comes the otter attendant, who bears a couple of wicker baskets that are overflowing with little bits of food, fresh fruits, even some cheese. Gotta wonder where that cheese came from. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) There's this cat. Cow-human hybrid over there. <laughs> Maybe there's not cheese. Let's scratch the cheese. <laughs> Don't you mean cut the cheese? <laughs> Maybe you mean that. And other various tidbits. That <laughs> and some dried fish. <laughs> uh, no. 
there are vegetarian people, I have a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it would be odd to eat any animal yeah. products since they are animal people. Meat is murder. <laughs> yeah, and other things that look delectable. Some dried foods that uh, that look like they will last you a good long time, even in the jungle. There are also a couple of little jars that the otter sets on the table in the room. They have been stoppered and sealed with wax. You will treasure this. This is insect repellent. But please be aware. The odor is quite noxious. Use it sparingly. <laughs> How much did you put on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Morish takes the bottle, uncorks it, and just starts splashing. I drink it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he showered in it. Before we depart, do you have any questions or anything that you wish to know of us? Who's going to guide us? We, the elders, will guide you to your jumping off point. So all you do is give us permission, and then you're like, okay, it's over there somewhere. <laughs> Stop it! Uh... We have many tales that warn us from returning to the place of our nativity, but we can at least point you in the right direction and give you the means of getting there. That will be perfectly fine. We certainly would not want to leave this community without the protection of its elders. Good. Nothing that you want or need before we go. I feel like I should ask for something. But... This is your chance. I mean, if you're if you feel like you're short on any supplies or anything oh, like that, you um... have a chance to ask. I mean, other than this, two baskets of food that you, you better believe I'm gonna. Yeah, we're pack gonna stash some in some of that stuff. Your basket's already halfway gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this is for later. Um. What are some things we might now be missing since Farron's not with do us? Do we have enough torches, um, that type of supplies? Do we have ropes? Rope we um, might want to ask about because we've used a lot of rope lately and we've yeah. like torn it up and stuff. Yeah, I don't know that we've ever gotten all of our stuff back. Um, we would sometimes salvage what we could of the rope that we use, but I mean, it's been used a bunch and... Again, all of our supplies have been carried through the sewers recently, so, uh... So you're like insect repellent. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That stuff smells like daisies. <laughs> <laughs> we could use some new rope, certainly. We've used much of what we started out with, and it's in disrepair, and, and I'm sure these jungle vines make for a good, strong cord. They do indeed. If you have any you can spare, that would be very helpful. Some fresh torches. Yeah. It shall be so. With that, the otter scurries out of the room. And the chanting outside winds down. And you notice that the elders outside, again, you're able to see them through the open windows. They are now all turned facing inward. One of them, a cat person, even leaning his elbows on the open window and peering inside, purring inside. Are they ready to come? I believe they are. We have some last-minute supplies to give them, and then we shall be on our way. Excellent. And with that, the otter returns, and you have a couple of ropes. I'm going to say they're 30-foot ropes. Ooh, they're made... make it 50? No, 30. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's made out of sisal, S-I-S-A-L. Mm -hmm. So they are light but very strong, and they're made of natural fibers. 
and the torches are about arm's length, uh, and they've been wrapped in some kind of other vegetation material and then coated with a sticky substance. You have three of those. Don't break the bank. I was kind of hoping for 30 of those torches. 30. These will last you for a long time. Mm. They're magical. Anything else? Yes, get on with it. Let's go. I don't believe we've been introduced. I, lady, am Nkosina Massa. Say that three times fast. You may call me Nkosi. And this is my sister, Pima Namfinda. She goes by Pima. A black cat, almost panther-like, slides in behind Nkosi, and she grins at you, showing her sharp teeth. Pleasure to meet you. You will learn very quickly not to take anything my brother says too seriously. Oh, stop it. You. We shall have fun. It is a good walk. Come, let us go. With that, all the elders turn and they begin walking upwards on the ramps. Tira shoots a somewhat uncertain look at Bash at the guides. Yeah. And Bash kind of like shrugs. Yeah. Yeah. I roll up the rope over my forearm as much as possible. It's going to end up being a pretty thick bundle if it's 30 feet long, mm-hmm. but just to get it. So it actually, uh, it's. Is it relatively narrow? It is a narrow weave. Okay. And so it actually bundles up rather nicely. Okay. Gets the, both of those rolled up separately. So they have two separate 30 mm-hmm. foot rolls. Stuffs them into her pack, makes sure that her axe and her bow are securely stowed and strikes out after the, is it just the cats that are leading us? No. So the cats are leading the way. The other elders are actually trailing behind you and Katoko is walking with you for now. Okay. We don't see uh, a Simris or... A Congo? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> it's like, I can only play so many yeah. NPCs at a time. <laughs> He's in here having a conversation with himself <laughs> in three different <laughs> accents. They do catch you. Uh, they, they catch up with the group as you are ascending. And they begin babbling about their role in the meeting last night and just how wonderful it was. And I don't feel but they're, like... they're staying. They're not coming with us. They are going with you for this part. Okay. But I don't get the impression that they are going to... Well, we'll see. Okay. We'll yeah. see. And so you make your way upwards, ramp after ramp, ascending, until you draw even with the top of the cliff where the waterfall is tumbling down. Here you find yourself near the towers that rise above where you saw one of the bird people plunge downward on your approach to the city. You come to the top of the cliff, and there you find a trail that runs eastward along the river that feeds this waterfall. Okay. The cats have waited at the top, and as you draw near, you find that Nkosi is licking his paw, waiting for you. Are you ready? We are going into the jungle up here. It's very dangerous, so you need to stay close, or else the grifters will get you. No, 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 don't listen to him. Grifters have not been seen in this area for quite some time. He is just teasing you. They haven't been seen for some time because you keep ruining them. Ruining them? I ruin nothing. Fine, no grifters. You just follow us. Come, 
We talk. One moment, please, if we're going back into the jungle. And she's going to take out one of those bottles that... Um, Kitoko. Kitoko. Uh, left of the insect repellent. And is going to carefully... No, please. No. You don't need that here. We're going into the jungle. We could barely keep the bugs away. We are along the river. They do not beset us the way they do elsewhere. We'll be fine. Please know that our noses are very sensitive. The time frame of Crystal Thump. Yes. And us. Was that when we were sleeping? So yes. therefore he is in the... Vis- oh no, he, he went down into the into valley. Into the valley, correct. Yeah, he went down. You're heading the opposite direction. Oh man. I wanted to say, shh, quiet. <laughs> you, you smell, smell something? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe later. Yeah. And so you walk along this clear trail. Uh, it's not screened from the river. It's actually right along the shore of the river. And the river is very wide. And because of its width, it's not very fast at this point. It's not until it gets right at the point of the falls that it begins to narrow and then speed up. And so you find yourself actually enjoying the walk. Nicosi is correct. The bugs here are not nearly what they were. Again, it's probably the presence of water and some of the mist in the air that drives them away. You probably have many questions about this place, yes? It is certainly unusual, and we've been many places already on this journey. How long have has your community been settled by this waterfall? It has been my nine lives. I say perhaps five generations of cat people. It has been a long time. And have your people always been... Hmm, have the people always included this many... Tira's fumbling with words trying to figure out how to ask. Kinds? Maybe? Kinds, yeah. People. Has it always been so varied? Not always. It started with a small group of cat people. Really? We, we liked the area. It was comfortable. Safe from the grifters. Grifters that do not exist. Over time, others heard and came from deeper in the valley. But they came from the valley, from around the valley. Different shapes, different types. To a symbol in this place, it has become a haven. And we are proud of the security it offers. I am curious, we don't seem to be heading toward the valley, but that seems to be the the place of origin for your people. You are correct. As our legends state, we once lived in the center of the valley, in a place of many waters. Lakes, I think you call them. Until one day, the skies shattered. Stars fell. And we were driven away, changed forever. Changed how? If the stories are to be believed, we were once like you, but after the stars, no more. Like me? I don't understand. Like you, any gestures to encompass both of you. Our oldest pictures and writings show us as you, not like, and then he gestures to mm-hmm. himself. We think perhaps our proximity to the stars did something. 
but we cannot be for sure. We cannot ask our ancestors. And so we live in peace, but your coming troubles us. But we point you in the direction of the middle of the valley. As much as you can, look for waters. May the jungle guide you. Are you not coming any farther? We will give you the means to get there, but we ourselves are forbidden from returning to the center of the valley. Forbidden by what? The elders? Our custom. So we're heading away from it, but we must be going out and around or something? You're heading straight east. Okay. All right, so the valley is straight west of where the city was. You're heading straight east. Away from them. Mm -hmm. It's a steady incline. It's not steep, but it is a steady incline. The river tumbles down that to head for the cliffs. Mm, Yeah, to head for the falls. Tira is, she's understanding in part, obviously she, she can assume that in the distant past, they were not cat people. They were mm-hmm. uh, a human or, or dwarves or something. And these cat people are quite tall. Right. Tall, um, taller than Bash. Mm-hmm. She's picking up on that part, but she still isn't sure if they're not heading for the valley where all this seems to have started. You know, doesn't she's not quite sure what it is they're headed for, but she has no choice but to follow them. Mm-hmm. They've... These are the people who were appointed supposedly by the elders who said, we will help you in your quest. So um, with a thinly veiled air of suspicion, I guess, she is uh, continuing behind them. You walk for about 30 minutes, getting to know each other a little bit through questions and brief answers, when suddenly a faraway shriek rends the air. It sounds unearthly. Coming from what direction? The direction you're heading. Okay. What was that? I. Did you hear that? We are almost there. Almost there? Yes. Come. And he opens up his speed, his gait, and mm-hmm. begins moving at a faster pace than is comfortable for you to walk. Oh, goodness, with her little tiny legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tira breaks into a run, I guess. Which she would have to do in order to keep up at all. Exactly, exactly. And Bash, you are having to walk, you know, like four foot strides or three and a half. Very broad strides for you. You crest over a slight ridge. And the trees on the left open out into an open field. Where a heavy wooden palisade stands before you. Its walls rising about ten feet into the air. The wall cannot contain the deep, musky smell that rolls out from behind it, however, and as you wait for the heavy gate in its front to creak open, another of those wailing screams sounds. It's enough to chill your blood. This is it. We are here. What is this place? It is where you will find your way to the valley below. Come inside. And he steps through the open gate. I'm assuming his face is kind of like, <laughs> come on, guys. Yeah, yeah, he is, he's grinning. Uh-huh. Pima looks back over her shoulder with a slightly more reassuring mm-hmm. and gentler smile. And just gestures with her head as she follows behind her brother. Very good. Inside, a large open paddock area has been churned to mud. 
Heavy green vines have been stretched across the open top of this palisaded area to form a cage-like network. And at the far end of the enclosure, timber shelters have been built to provide an elevated place. Dry, clipped foliage has been gathered into the shelters to form roughly made nests. From the shadows of the shelter to the right, gleaming eyes hold you for a second. And then comes that shriek again. With the sudden rustle of the nest, a large nightmarish form ducks through the low opening, charging toward you on fingered wings. It's gigantic, standing at least 20 feet tall, from rear legs scrabbling in the mud to the long neck and feet-long beak that snaps in your direction. And I'm going to show you a picture here of the Quetzalcoatlus. Oh, man. Yeah. It's a dinosaur. Yeah, awesome. Good night, Gus. That's what it is? That's what Basically. it is. Basically? Yes. It's almost upon you when an animal figure in loam-colored leather steps out from the wall. It's one of the hippo people you saw in the city below, and he holds up a bucket. Oh, don't be like that, he says in a cheery voice and sloshes the bucket's contents onto the ground. The bird thing skids to a stop and begins pecking at the lumpy mess, swallowing greedily. Can't let them get to you, friends. They're just big softies after all, aren't you, dearie? So it's Hagrid. (laughs) (laughs) The hippo says and scratches at the base of the giant's neck. It makes what you suspect is a contented sound, although a noise that big is not necessarily comforting. Welcome. I'm Kiese. You've come to look at my pretties, eh? I don't know what we've come for exactly. We were under the impression this was the way we needed to go. I was sent word to get them ready. Are we riding on this? (laughs) You notice that this particular bird raptor thing, and I'll share a link to the pictures in our show notes, listeners, so you can get an idea of what we're talking about here. But there is a saddle fitted onto its back. Tira catches sight of that and realizes what is expected here. And Kosi is laughing off to the side. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Pima shoots him a sharp-eyed look and does the little paw thing like, "Mm, hush, don't frighten them. Oh, I am not the one frightening them now. I'll leave that to these. And he gestures with his head. With some soft words, Kiese goes into the other shelter and leads out another of these gigantic bird-like creatures. And now you have two of them there, side by side. We are each supposed to ride on one. Mm-hmm. Well, Tira's only two feet tall. This is a 20-foot bar. She is not. You're, you're like four and a half feet I tall. I know. Four, I'm 4'2". Four okay. 4'2". But you said it was like a 20-foot bird. It is. Grief. I think we'll both fit on one. <laughs> they look more frightening than they actually are, says Nkosi. I have ridden them before. It is not my favorite thing to do. He cried. Oh, stop it. I'm only telling the truth. Kiese grins at both of you. Well, you want to give it a try? Tira is trying very hard not to betray the amount of trepidation that she feels. They can feel it, you know. (laughs) 
So <laughs> she maybe shakes her hair back over her shoulder and hitches a confident look onto her face and starts to stride purposefully toward the one next to Hagrid. <laughs> Kiese has produced a step stool from somewhere and you mount up on the steps and he grabs you by the hand and you swing your leg uncertainly over this bird's back. It's crouched down a little bit at his command, making it much easier for you. And you settle into the saddle. Wamberbash, what's your approach? I'm going to watch Tira do it first. Okay. I can imagine Tira's legs are practically <laughs> straight out. I mean, She's this, in the Von Damme pose. I mean, for a creature this large, it's definitely going to be very broad. It's actually not. Really? Yeah, the body's quite narrow. Okay. The head is disproportionately large, but the body actually tapers at the point where the saddle is. Okay. And as I've written here, the saddle is unexpectedly comfortable. Okay. Much work must have gone into making it adaptable for just about any body type, given the range of people that live in the city. True. And you find that you feel quite stable in spite of the hips and hops the giant beasts make beneath you. And given your animal handling skill, Tira... That's very true. Yeah, you feel actually immediately... Once she gets into the saddle, because, right. you know, it, it seemed like a very... From the pictures that you were showing me, and that's what I'm picturing, it seemed like it was going to be a very ungainly, awkward positioning, an ungainly creature, an awkward yeah. seat. Once she's in it... Muscle memory and instincts sort of take over. Like you said, she's unexpectedly comfortable up mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And uh, her actual confidence grows. Yeah. Her fingers are clenched on mm -hmm. the saddle horn. And then, oh. You see her face visibly soften. Can I ride on the same one as Tira? I don't think so. I don't think that would be good. And they need to travel in pairs anyway. It's dangerous down there. All right, so Lomarbash goes up to it. He moves the stool over for you and helps you up. And I get on it, and uh, it's comfortable. Yeah. The giant bird tries to look back and clacks its beak at you a couple times, but it's not going to reach you. With that, they hip-hop their way out the gate. Gadump, <laughs> gadump, yeah, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> You end up underneath in the saddle. <laughs> <laughs> it just rolls yeah, right over. Yeah. Uh, who is, is anyone leading these birds out? Or are they just going? Because we still have not been told where we're yeah. going. <laughs> Kiese is leading you out. Okay. And as you go, Nkosi is walking alongside. Again, he's looking up and grinning at you both. I told you it would be okay. Fly west. They know where to go. They make this trip habitually. We let them out from time to time, and they come back. They need to stretch their wings. They will be fine. Look how well she sits. She looks like she has done this before. Maybe. Maybe not a creature quite like this, no. but I can see it. And once your birds emerge from the gate and out into the open... <laughs> Smack! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> They feel the space to either side of them, and they get far enough apart, and then they spread those wings. It's a 30-foot wingspan. They stretch. You can hear the membranes creaking. Mm -hmm. And with a, another shrill cry, they both raise their heads beak upward into the sky and trumpet into the morning. Tira's grinning now. And then they leap 
and you feel the earth drop away from beneath you. It's like you leave your stomachs there on the ground. The cats stand waving to you. And they become smaller and smaller and smaller. You sail over the valley, at first circling upward, taking advantage of the currents coming up from the river as the cooler air interacts with the warmer air of the jungle around it. It's like the paddock was built here in the best possible place for getting airborne. As the bird-like creatures rise, another cry here and there, and you feel tempted to add your own to it as you feel the exultation of being free from the bonds of Earth. <laughs> I've slipped the surly bonds of Earth and touched the hand of God. <laughs> and the world looks small beneath you. Maybe not quite so small as when you were on the airship. You mm -hmm. were higher in that. Mm -hmm. But after about a minute of rising, the birds begin to flap those wings, and you hear that. Mm -hmm. And they move very quickly westward over the valley. Is there anything you want to do or say as you head that direction? I'm going to take out my iPhone and take a couple pictures. Okay. <laughs> Selfie. <laughs> First time flying. Oops, you dropped it. Nailed it, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's okay, I have Apple Care. <laughs> yeah, Tira is definitely feeling the exhilaration. I've flown before, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, this is old hat to you. Yeah. I could have done this. The wind whipping in her face and just the morning light and the sense of being back on their way and uh, and all that. She is. She's now, she's figured out this saddle and she's got... I guess a strip or something, you know, the, the reins, I guess. Yeah. Uh, twist around one hand and with the other, she is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it starts bucking in the air. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, Nelly. <laughs> and I think this is going to be a good place to end this episode. On that lame. <laughs> whoa, Nelly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this we're going to end. <laughs> <laughs> Say something else epic real quick. Famous last words. Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> Please tell everybody my last words are something cooler than whoa, Nelly. <laughs> Not this time. No. All right, let's talk experience points. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think Tara needs some points for the whoa, Nelly. <laughs> I mean, that was so lame. Uh, <laughs> Pity points. Pity points. <laughs> yeah. These, are, these aren't even experience points. They're just no. pity points. Oh, man. Uh, I'll give you two for progressing the story. And I think you should get one for Pima. Thanks. For playing the cat lady. <sighs> Bash did nothing. Yep. He peed. <laughs> Some of my best work. <laughs> and, and then he walked. Your track is going to be so easy <laughs> to edit from this episode. <laughs> we're going to open your track and we're going to see three little yeah. blips. I got to pee. What was that? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we need to have a bash heavy episode coming up. No, yes. no, that's fine. He's like, I'm good. <laughs> okay. I, I wanted it to be a fantastic scene. Yeah of these giant bird things. I, I just cannot imagine being around something like this. Yeah. Let so, alone sitting of, on the back of it. I mean, you're going to yeah. have to have the wind and, right. and the sound of the wings. 
Whoa, yeah, Nelly! Yeah, yeah. Whoa, <laughs> Nelly! <laughs> That's going to be the bird's name, we Nelly. Two amigos. <laughs> <laughs> Any other experience point awards? Um, Good. Let's recap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tira is 42 points into level 13. Wombrabash is 50 points into Ooh, level 13. Okay. I think you can feel some things building here. Yeah. Yep. There's here. stuff coming, and we will get to that next time. Hope you're having fun. This has been the first few episodes have really been about coming to terms with things. Mm-hmm. And now Figuring we're Figuring out what we're doing next. And now we're moving forward. And so next time, look for some... Uh, good old-fashioned jungle adventure boy boy as we approach the sunken valley we look forward to seeing you here at our table again next time right here at stack of dice we are truly honored to have you in our midst (laughs) you are a mess (laughs) excuse me obviously cut that out you're taking up Peter's uh, off refrain yep. of uh, cut that out. Yeah.